0: Welcome to the mini break your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, November 4th. Wanted to offer an abbreviated update for all of you listeners here on today's show. Now, before we get to a little bit of Paris and Fort Worth talk, just a couple of things I want to run by all of you listeners. First and foremost, we here at Crack Rackets are immensely grateful for all of you listeners' patience over the course of this week. We know there have been a dearth of episodes on this podcast feed and on a week where we have the final Masters 1000 event of the ATP Tour season, the WTA Tour Finals being hosted in Fort Worth. You listeners deserve content breaking down all of that action. I will tell all of you right now, Gil Gross, David Kane. we've lined up podcasts with them this weekend. We will have two mega episodes with, in my opinion, maybe our two best guests here on this show breaking everything down. I will do my best to try and compensate for the lack of content we've provided over the past few days. Nevertheless, just wanted to put that note to all of your listeners' attention. We are going to play Mega Catch-Up with David Kane, Gil Gross, talking about all of this week's action. But of course, the reason there have been fewer episodes this week is because we're busy... Here at Cracked Rackets We're not taking vacation time No, I have been so fortunate here this week To once again be in Tennis Channel's Santa Monica studio And to be able to play a role on the desk As part of their second serve program That program, a second screen experience We're able to stream matches in Paris In Fort Worth But then we're also able to provide A different sort of commentary and conversation Throughout those matches It's not your typical broadcast What I've been told to liken it to is that Manning cast we see with Monday Night Football where, you know, not only are we talking whatever matches on our screen, but we're talking about the big picture things happening in the tennis world as well. And it's been such an incredible experience for me to get to work with some of the best in the business. Of course, Mike Haston, our producer behind the scenes, Brett Connors, my guy Carlos, Sarah, everyone here at Tennis Channel who helps make everything happen. But then, of course, on screen, I mean, you listeners know, it's some of the best in the business. You get to work with Nick McCarville, you learn something new every time you're at the desk with Nick. Similarly, it's been so fun to develop this new friendship with former uh, ITA UNC, excuse me, All-American, and obviously top 25 doubles player in the world in Nicholas Monroe, who's been with us every day working with Cale Hammond. Always a treat. But then, of course, we get the Ed uh, McGrogans, the Tracy Austins, Blair Henleys, Daniela Hunchakova's. Mark Knowles, Jimmy Arias' of the world joining us throughout the day. It's been a fantastic week of action. Again, such a learning experience. I've had so much fun. I like to think the first four episodes we've done have been pretty awesome as well. If you haven't, go check out Second Serve final episode here on Friday. We're pretty much all day throughout all the Paris and WTA tour action, so... If you're looking for that, go subscribe to TC Plus. By the way, why wouldn't you do that if you have that TC Plus subscription? Not only do you get access to things like Second Serve, but of course you get access to just about every ATP and WTA match throughout the course of the season. So I know, again, that's a little bit of a four-minute filibuster on why we haven't had podcast episodes this week. But again, it's not because we're slacking. It's just because there are only limited hours in the day. And of course, starting on Wednesday, we go straight from the set of second serve to the broadcast booth as our Cracked Rackets team is also broadcasting this week's ITA Fall National Championships. 32 of the best college tennis players in the country all descend upon one location for the right to earn that final individual national championship of the fall season. We'll have championship weekend coverage for you Friday quarter finals, Saturday semifinals, Sunday's championship matches on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. A massive thank you to the coach, Mark Bay, for all that he has done to help ensure that we can provide high quality content to all of you and still allows me to do this second serve show as well then of course around 2 33 p.m pacific time i take over the broadcast i'll tell you this saturday sunday it will just be me steering the ship i'm gonna get a little bit greedy take those matches for myself as again Best college tennis players in the country. So many of them go on to such pro successes. You get access to all of them before those massive pro leaps happen. Check them out on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Again, we'll have that action throughout the course of the weekend. With that said, again, timing is tight right now here on our Cracked Rackets schedule. So I just wanted to offer you a 15-minute edition here of the Mini Break Podcast. It's going to be abbreviated, but I want to rapid-fire off some takes I have shared throughout our Second Serve program and some thoughts that I have been developing, I suppose, throughout the course of this week's action. And then again, David Kane coming on this weekend, Gil Gross coming on this weekend. We'll flush all these thoughts out in more depth on those shows, but... Let's start with the ATP Tour action in Paris. Simply put, each of our players in Paris who have reached the quarterfinal round have been impressive. Normally, you talk about the top player in the world, right? Carlos Alcarez, number one seed, world number one, first big run for him since winning the U.S. Open. That would typically be your headline as you look at an ATP Paris event. Or maybe you turn to Novak Djokovic, who, of course, entered the week on a two-tournament win streak and had... Played fewer than 40 total matches overall on the match to see him uh, on the season. Excuse me to see him even back on court at at all. Uh, something all of us tennis fans were looking forward to. But with all due respect to Alcaraz, with all due respect to Djokovic, the story remains the same. Three players. It's been pretty much over the past month on the ATP tour, and in descending order, that storyline is Felix auger Aliassim, Holger Rune and Lorenzo Musetti. Simply put, the 2000s babies, the next-gen 2.0, they seem ready, and they seem ready right now. And let's just quickly, once again, start with Felix. Felix, of course, ridiculous run of success over the course of the past month, and you feel like you can really point to his victory over Carlos Alcaraz at the Davis Cup as just one of those moments where, all right, Felix starts to buy back in here to the end of the season. Now, what was so fascinating was that, you know, he then goes and plays Astana, right, and loses a tough first-round match, 6-4, 7-6 to Roberto Bautista Agut. He has not lost a match, of course, since that moment. And you look for Felix has now run his win streak to 15 consecutive victories as he knocks off Mikhail Emer 6, 6 4 7 6 in round number one and then a one in three definitive victory over Jill Simone in the round of 16 you look for Felix of course had a 93 consecutive streaks of hold uh, of had held excuse me 93 consecutive service games before getting broken by Michael Emer of course how does FAA respond In that round of 16 match, just another clean performance on serve, faced only two break points against Simone, did not get broken. I've been saying this very much so over the past month, very much so, in my opinion throughout the tenure of Felix's career. And I feel like we've been covering Felix even back in 2017 when he was 16, 17 years old, starting to have all sorts of successes at the junior levels, of course, but starting to have success at the futures level, starting to have success at the challenger level as well. The moment Felix announced himself to the broader tennis world, it was always about two things, the serve, the forehand. Since he was 12 years old, Honest to God, and you read enough Colette Lewis, you will know this about Felix. His serve, his forehand, his ability to play on his terms with his non-negotiable weapons, they've always flashed that potential to be elite. And once again, we see Felix just continuing to show off the goods. And I mean, again, you win 15 consecutive matches over the course of four consecutive weeks, that's a capital B breakout moment. That's one of those things you just can't deny. Obviously, we saw Kasperud rip off three consecutive titles last season. I think Felix Casper and one other player whose name is escaping my mind right now, I think there's only three players to do it, certainly in the past decade, if not in the 21st century on the ATP side. Look, we're on indoor hard courts. Indoor hard courts should favor the big hitting, big serving, front foot, move forward, aggressive game style of the Canadian FAA. And I bring up the fact he's Canadian because guess what? When you grow up in a northern cold weather area, you're going to play a lot of indoor hard court tennis. We see that experience manifesting itself with benefits for FAA over the course of the past month. And again, I'm a broken record, and I apologize for repeating myself consistently. It's the serve. It's the forehand, and then it is the improvements, the increased fluidity in and out of the thirds of the court. He is just a physical—he's a monster. He's a monster. Absolutely. The combination of strength, speed, size, is he the most fluid? No, but he's gotten so much better at getting into the backhand corner, generating depth out of that corner. I actually think it's the forehand on the run that gets a little bit more sporadic, but he never hits his forehand on the run anymore because he has developed physically to the point where it feels like he's always there in time. And when his feet are set with that forehand, he is now in control of the point. Again, a non-negotiable weapon. That's what Felix possesses. 55 and 24 now overall on the season. 70% win percentage. He is quickly now up there with Paz, with Carlos Alcaraz top three overall players in total wins here this season. And guess what? Felix into the final eight. 22 years old, qualifies for the ATP Tour Finals. It felt like it was going to be when, not if he was going to do that during his career. Well, the win is now 2022. He has been that good down the season's home stretch, playing as well as anyone to end 2022. The other guy you'd have to throw in that conversation would be Holger Runa, who, of course, Felix knocked out last week in the Basel final. But you look for Runa, you know, quarterfinals Mets. Then makes the final in Sofia, beats Sinner, knocked out by Hoosler. Then wins Stockholm, beats Nori, Demon Hour, Pass down the stretch. The very next week goes to Basel. You know, easier draw, Demon Hour, sure, Rinder Kanesh RBA, Umber, Indoor Hardcourts. Honestly, that's not it's an easier draw, but it's not easy. And then he gets to the final against Felix where Felix just has one of those days at the office on serve still Holger only broken two times in the match it was those two breaks that separated them ultimately a 3 and 5 win for Felix but you know after all of that tennis how does the 19 year old Holger Rune respond well he comes here this week Three-set win over Stan Wawrinka, 5-1 and one over Hubi Hercats, 4-5 and five yesterday against Andre Rublev. He won 75% of his first serve points, saved all six break points that he faced. For the event, he has fought off 13 of the 15 break points he's faced. He's won over 75% of his first serve points every match that he's played. And Nick Monroe and I actually had this discussion yesterday on set. Nick thinks Holger, having played doubles with him, is actually a very naturally aggressive player. That he hits a massive first serve. That the heaviness of his first strike can be that effective, of course. I slightly disagreed with Nick. I said that was a byproduct of the work Runa had put in. I think for Holger Runa foundationally, what what makes this run and makes his ceiling now tier one. And I think I'm going to have to start throwing him. That's the conversation we're having this offseason. I'm writing that on my notes right now. Is Holger Runa now a tier one player? Uh, He probably is tier one uh, because you look for Holger Runa now. I mean, again, 19 years old into, I believe, the top 15 of the ATP rankings. In fact, now you look for Holger Runa. He is Indeed, with his run to the quarterfinals up to a new career high in the live rankings, number 18, excuse me, overall. I mean, he's 19 years old. He's 18 in the live rankings. If we didn't have Carlos Alcaraz at world number one, we would be freaking out about Holger Runa, who, you know, the discussion to start the season, we all knew he was going to make his top 100 debut, had too much challenger success last year, had flashed too much potential in his ATP moments But for his entire game to come together as completely as it had. Again, let's play this game. What's the weakness? It's not the forehand anymore. Yeah, the second serve sits up. Everyone's second serve sits up. The first serve's a weapon. He's comfortable moving forward. He doesn't cramp anymore. The athleticism is undeniable. Look at what he's done over the past month: Sofia final, Stock- or, excuse me, Sofia final, Stockholm title, Basel final, now quarterfinals in Paris with wins over Rublev and Herkots, ending Herkots' potential run to the ATP Tour finals. Nineteen years old, and again. Felix, born after 2000. Alcaraz, Sinner, born after 2000. Now you have to put Runa in that conversation of the elite guys born after 2000. It's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. And then again, Lorenzo Musetti, who's been really good. 4-6-6, 4-6-4 win over Kasparud. Also got a really good win early in the event. Straight sets over Vili, as well as a 4-4 win over Marin Cilic. Musetti, another guy who's just made a leap physically. I think he's got the best one-handed backhand on the ATP tour athletically. He just There is no weakness for him. And again, his ability now to hit that forehand a little bit earlier, hit the first serve a little bit bigger, a little more comfortably. He's always had the well-rounded skill set. No one has been able to question his athleticism. The forehand can get a little leaky when pressured by elite pace, but it better be elite pace now because, again... Musetti has come to play. Here come the 2000s babies, folks, on the ATP tour. And then, you know, just quickly, again, to run through the rest of these, because it's going to be an abbreviated pot as I got to get ready to go for some second serve prep and all these different things we have to do. Um, yeah, you look for uh, Tiafoe, Tommy Paul, good run for the Americans, Alcaraz, Djokovic, Tsitsipas continuing to do their things to end the year. Tommy Paul, particularly impressive. 4-4 four four win over Carino Busta. Obviously, the three-set win over Rafa. We talk about it more later. Rafa wasn't at his healthiest. Eileen, Tommy. Uh, you know, again, I said Tommy was going to beat Carino Busta yesterday. 22-12 and 12 now since the start of the grass court season. Tommy's made the leap. A lowercase b breakout star. He is not Tier 1. But he's no lower than Tier 3, and he has elevated himself maybe to that Tier 2 discussion as well. You just feel like Tommy can continue to get better, and you just don't always say that about 25-year-old guys, right? But it feels like Tommy's just starting to scratch the surface of how good he might just be athletically. There's just, again, what's the weakness for Tommy? Like, yeah, he gets a little passive. Okay, that's a mindset thing we can work on. And so he's exceptional. Francis is exceptional. And yet despite talking about all the guys raving, I've raved about... I'm still taking Novak because Novak right now is just on another planet. With that said, that's your ATP Tour action in Paris. Let's move on now to Fort Worth. And unfortunately, I will say, I just got an email. says I have to hop on a second serve call momentarily, so I'll have to be even briefer with my WTA Finals coverage. Here are the three words I would use to sum up Fort Worth. Ega, Ega, Ega. Iga. I have not seen a single player compete well enough in the draw that makes me think it will be anyone but the world number 1 capturing the WTA Tour Finals title. You look for Iga a 3 and 2 win over Caroline Garcia on day 4, 2 and 3 over Kasatkina on day 2. You know again, you face the number 1 server on the WTA Tour, in your second match, you faced the number two returner in your first match. Of course, Kasukina number two, only two Iga Fiontak, And you beat them both extraordinarily comfortably. Now, the big thing I would say, we talked to Daniela Hanchakova, who, of course, former top 10 player in the world, multi-time Grand Slam doubles champion. We talked to her about the conditions in Fort Worth. She talked about how difficult it is to generate pace on these courts. This ball is bouncing low. These balls are not ripping through the court with much action. Look, low and slow, I I don't love it for too many of players in this draw. I thought I liked it for Garcia, but we saw how I don't want to say easily, but we saw how in command Svantec was in that match. I like it for Sabalenka, but Sabalenka, you never know who you're going to get in any given moment, let alone on any given day. Uh, and then, you know, the other player who maybe you like these conditions for, again, is Maria Sakkari, just because of how well she's played through her first two matches, 6-6 six and six over Pagula on day one, 2-4 and four over Sabalenka on day three. That said... Maria Sakri, a top 10 server on the WTA Tour, does she have the overwhelming weapon to hurt Iga relentlessly with? Is she playing so extraordinarily well that it's undeniable she'll be able to challenge Iga and you sh- you would feel foolish otherwise? No, like again, I test wise, Sakri's playing well. There's no doubt about it. And given the, given the struggle she's had this year, no doubt she has found some confidence in that run in Guadalajara, ending her season on the exact note that she needed, just reaffirming she is one of those players, along with the Jabers of the world, who belong in that Tier 2 discussion definitively. Now, is Zachary a Tier 1 player? Do we see her winning a slam at any point in her career? That's a discussion we can have this offseason, but I do think she has certainly reasserted herself in the Tier 2 conversation. That said, you know, again, Really disappointing for the Americans. Obviously, Pagula Goff have struggled in both singles and doubles, still searching for their first victory overall. The big thing through the first two days of the event, struggles for the debutantes. Anyone making their first appearance in singles lost their first match. And uh, my dear friend Cale Hammond made this very good point. The WTA Tour Finals is a very difficult format to get prepared for. Unlike your typical tournament, there are no warm-up mats, right? There are no chasers, just straight shots. You get right into it. You're playing... Fellow top eight players in the world, of course, you lose that first round Robin match, now match number two, match number three. There's that much pressure entering each of them I mean, look, again, I want to have the big picture conversations, thoughts on the crowds, thoughts on the WTA organization of this event, thoughts on the social media, is embrace, these players embrace of Texas, all these different things. There are big picture conversations I want to have. We're going to do that with David Kane. Simply put, though, again, three words that I think are going to define this 2022 WTA Tour Finals, Ega, Ega, Ega. I just think she really is heads and shoulders above the rest of the field with that said we will have expanded coverage of paris of these wta tour finals for you this weekend i have already texted both david kane Gil Gross. we're locking in the show times yes we have ita fall national broadcast but it's the least i can do throw in two more podcasts given the patience all of you mini break listeners have shown for us here this week that said if you're looking for additional content Go get TC Plus. Watch the final day of Second Serve. I promise it will deliver the goods. A shout out, of course, here on this show, as always, to Super Producer Daniel Westoff for the job he does day in, day out, making everything possible. With that said, for our Super Producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. You know what we say that's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.